Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the Magic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Hey, Leaders of Learning, welcome back for another exciting episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, episode 51. And before I get into the episode, I just want to take a few minutes here and do some housekeeping. First and foremost, I'd like to give a special shout out to all of my email subscribers, those people who subscribe to the Leader of Learning newsletter. And it comes with an apology as well, because some people had signed up for the newsletter weeks and maybe even months ago, but due to a glitch, I was not aware that they had subscribed. And so it was only recently when everyone got added. So first, I want to say I'm sorry. But secondly, I want to thank you for subscribing and following along and being part of the Leader of Learning community. I so appreciate you. Next, I just wanted to give a couple of shout outs to some people who gave Leader of Learning some love on social media. I'll start with Allison Chafee, I think it is, at Al Chafee who said, listen to Leading Through Coaching, and that was episode 50 with Danny Bauer, uh, and she recommended that to some other people. Uh, so thank you, Allison, for listening and sharing and recommending the Leader of Learning podcast and specifically episode 50 with Danny Bauer. Also, we got some love this past week from the Got Tech Ed, the podcast, who said it's been one and a half years since they began their podcast. They're 41 episodes in and loving what they do. And thanks to all these amazing podcasts that produce great content for educators everywhere. And Leader of Learning was one that they specifically shouted out. And speaking of Leader of Learning love this week, I want to give a huge thanks to my friend Tim Cavey. If you're a listener of the show Teachers on Fire, you might know that I was featured on Tim's latest episode, episode 99. We talked about lots of things, including instructional coaching, leadership, and all the things that I'm interested in, including podcasting. I was really, really happy that he invited me on and that I got to be a guest on his show. We've also recorded an interview for an upcoming episode of Leader of Learning that Tim will be a guest on. But I've gotten some great feedback, even from Tim himself, who said that his own instructional coach really loved the episode and the book recommendation that I made on that episode, The Coaching Habit, uh, which is a book that I read recently and really got a lot out of. So thank you to Tim. And if you haven't yet listened to Teachers on Fire, episode 99 is the one that I was a guest on. Uh, I'd really appreciate you giving that a listen. And if you've come to this show because you've heard my episode on Teachers on Fire, I really appreciate you giving Leader of Learning a try. In this episode, I get to speak to Saba Kidwai, who is someone that I've followed on social media for quite a while now. I have a lot of respect for the content she shares, and she is an inspirational educator, former director of innovation at the University of Southern California, now a doctoral student at USC. Her interests in education range from leadership to design thinking 
And what she shares on social media is amazing. Everything from education to food to fashion. I was so excited to speak to her. We'll get there in a minute. Before we do, I want to mention that in two weeks from now, our next episode of Leader of Learning will feature George Kuros and Katie Novak, authors of the new book, Innovate Inside the Box. I hope you listen to that. But before we get there, let's check out episode 51 with Saba Kidwai. Guys, very exciting guest on this episode. And in all honesty, uh, and I've told her this already, so I'm not real embarrassed to say it. Someone that I've uh, been pursuing for quite a while to be a guest on the show, Saba Kidwai. Um, and, and first I'll have you introduce yourself and then I'll, I'll kind of go back, uh, and, and give a little bit of a recap as to how I became familiar with you. But, um, who are you? Where are you? What do you do? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be chatting with you today. And so I'm Saba, and I am currently a doctoral student at the University of Southern California, looking at global education systems. So currently working on my doctorate. Um, I'm a former social science teacher, and I'm currently entrenched in school. I hear that. Um, and we absolutely have that in common and we'll get there in a few minutes. Let me take you back a few years uh, at this point. So uh, a few years ago when all the kids were using, starting to use Snapchat, uh, some of us educators were like, you know, is this one of those things that only students can do and they're going to like yell at us for trying it out? Or is this something that maybe educators can can get around and perhaps even use you know, to our advantage, educationally speaking. So I was in what you might call like a pilot group of educators who were trying Snapchat. And um, of course, like much of the other social media out there, we were all kind of wondering, okay, is there anyone who is an educator and is already using Snapchat, educationally speaking, uh, and doing a good job of it? And we shared some names and some accounts and everyone said, you got to follow this at Miss Q account. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And um, since then, uh, I, do, I didn't really keep Snapchat for all that long. Um, but that's what kind of turned me on to you and the content that you share. And I love it because it's a lot about education. Um, but it's also, I mean, you share everything from your travels to your doctoral exp uh, experience and uh, food and fashion, like everything. I love it. So I, I guess what I'm wondering is how did you even get, get started on that in the first place? You know, I think it was my younger sisters. And it's one of those things, you know, as we see more and more communication platforms come about, people have different preferences. And so, you know, a lot of times I would text them or call them and they wouldn't return the text or the call. But if I got on Snapchat and I snapped them, I would almost get an instantaneous response. And so I started playing with the platform. I started kind of experimenting with it. Um, and after doing a couple of them, mostly with family, I realized I just had a passion for video. I realized that I was actually a huge um, fan and I still am a huge fan of Twitter. But one of the big differences that I started to notice was that whereas on Twitter, and now you can do video on Twitter too, but back then it was really just an image or a couple of images. Snapchat really allowed you to kind of capture things in the moment and show people what was happening live. And so if I was using a new tool, if I was trying a new lesson idea, sometimes people would watch it and be like, oh my God, I could totally do that too. And that experience, the idea that I could give somebody that feeling, the idea that somebody could watch a video and 
gain that confidence to try something new to me was absolutely transformational. In terms of your content sharing and your social media presence, I know that one of the things that uh, among the many maybe that you and I have in common is sort of keeping a, a big picture on what's happening in leadership and um, and, and kind of, you know, how it's evolving, I guess. So I was wondering, uh, wh what are you interested in currently about leadership? What are you noticing? What are the trends that you're seeing? Oh, gosh. So there's so many things. But I think one of the most exciting things today for so many people is the idea that really the idea of leadership has become so democratized. I think, you know, it used to be so encapsulated where only a few people could climb the ranks and only a few people would get noticed and only a few people could have access to certain opportunities. But one of the things that I think social media has really allowed for is for everybody's voices to be heard. And so I think if you have a talent and you have um, something exciting to share um, and, you know, exciting might be the wrong word because what's not exciting to you might be exciting to somebody else. But I think if you have any kind of value to share. And I really believe that everyone does because we all have unique voices. We all have unique experiences. And I think if you can use those platforms today in a meaningful way, whether it's through voice, whether it's through video, whether it's through text, you really have an opportunity to influence. And so one of the things that I, one of the trends I'm incredibly fascinated by right now, and I'm kind of looking into is the World Economic Forum recently published an updated version of the Future of Jobs report. And in that report, they often highlight trending skills. And for the first time, one of the trending skills they kind of noted for 2022 was leadership and social influence. And I just found it really fascinating that they grouped the two together. And I think it's really important for, you know, not just people in formal leadership positions, but really everyone to begin thinking about the role they can play in solving the challenges that exist within their industries. Yeah, uh, I agree. And actually, um, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a few weeks. But um, recently, Eric Scheninger just gave the keynote address at my at my district's convocation, and he actually brought up this report that you speak of. And so I think it's really timely, um, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. And I agree that it doesn't take positions or titles. You know, I've been doing this show going on three seasons now, and I keep saying uh, no matter who you are and where you are, you can be a leader of learning. It doesn't matter what title you have or what role you play in your school or your district or wherever you're at in education. Um, and, and I think you're right that some educators and other leaders have become leaders, not just because of the work that they're doing in their buildings, but how they're influencing and how they're impacting other educators across the country, across the world. And uh, it is really exciting. So, um, you know, to, to be, I guess, to some degree, a part of that as a podcaster, um, you know, it, it makes me feel like I'm giving back to the educational community um, and I guess leading, you know, for lack of a better term, in terms of trying to uh, get teachers to continue to develop themselves through this different kind of medium. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's not only an exciting time, but I think it's also a very necessary time for us to step up and kind of do this. You know, um, in my last, um, last quarter in classes, we read a book 
called It's the Mission, Not the Mandate. And like so many books, you know, it opens kind of by talking about Simon Sinek and his book, Start With Why, and how when we look at policy change and we look at really any kind of initiative it is we want to begin to implement, it's important to understand our why. And I think, you know, for one person to kind of carry that burden of articulating the why, of sharing the why, of constantly, you know, building momentum around it is incredibly challenging. And, you know, one of the things I've kind of, it just kind of occurred to me that Start With Why, when you publish that, it's, it's been a decade. And you think now about the social platforms that we have and the opportunity for an organization or really for any group to be able to get everybody to articulate and share and show examples of the why can really resonate with a much, much larger audience. And so when we're thinking about the change it is that we're trying to bring within our various organizations or industries, I think the more voices you can be, you can get on board to share that vision with their audiences and their unique voices, the more it's going to resonate with people. Interesting point that you just brought up about the why. Um, here's what I'm wondering. A lot of times I, I get asked things like, why do you do your podcast? Why are have you decided to go back and torture yourself by uh, <laughs> becoming a doctoral student and writing this crazy long dissertation that you're writing? Like, I, you know, for me, well, first of all, the podcast for me is a way to share content like we've already talked about, but not have to write too much because let's face it, I'm already writing so much in my degree program. Right. Um, but for me, it's it's just about being a lifelong learner. And I know that may sound cheesy, but um, I, I just feel like it's important to reach that highest level of education uh, to keep pushing myself. I, I So I'm in a new district this year and I introduced myself the other day to uh, the staff members that I'll be supporting in the ELA department by saying I am a total educational geek. Like when I'm not actually working at school, I'm still going on social media, listening to podcasts. Like I, I'm all the time. It's, it's just, that's what I'm interested in. So, um, that's my why I just want to keep learning. What about you? Oh, wow. Um, I think my why is really this idea about cultures of innovation begin with a culture of empathy. And I think empathy really drives a lot of the work I do both personally and professionally. So, you know, it's interesting you talk about this idea of lifelong learning, and I think it's absolutely essential. And I think it's great that you really kind of embrace these mediums and you're experimenting with different mediums to be able to see what works for you. Because I'll tell you another really big thing that happened to me from engaging on Snapchat. And now mostly I feel like a lot of us have really moved over to Instagram stories in terms of professionally sharing. But um, one of the things that I really began to realize was it was almost like a video diary. Like more than sharing with others, I was learning so much. And I was like, wow, like I can't, I would look back on, on the video at the end of the day or, you know, sometimes even go back a week or a month later. And I would be like, oh my God, I can't even believe that happened. Like, I don't remember that. Like, oh my God, like that's so cool. Or I would find something really interesting that had happened in the day. And it would just really kind of help me sometimes connect the dots or just, you know, we go through our days and we're just so busy, busy, busy to have that sort of video diary there daily really allowed me to kind of pause and just be like, wow, like, I can't believe that that happened today or, you know, whatever it was that I was looking at. And then the second part of that is really, you know, that all these platforms offer people so much choice with the kind of voice they can have. You know, if you're comfortable podcasting, great. If you're comfortable doing video, great. Like there's just so much choice 
available to you. But going back to my why, one of my driving motivations for going back to school was I spent a lot of time working with schools and organizations talking about what innovation in education should look like. And I just started to become increasingly curious about well, what would it be like for me as a student to go back. And it really has just given me such um, a different lens with which I'm starting to view the work we do. You know, I think one of the things that links our doctoral experiences and, and perhaps even our, our dissertation, our research topics, is that idea of innovation. Um, and to be honest with you, early on in my in my studies, as I was starting to sort of form my ideas around the topic and starting to really get things down on paper, um, I felt like there was some pushback there by professors and, and maybe even my dissertation committee really early on. And they were wondering about that word innovation. Like, how do you define that? I, I really thought that they were going to give me a hard time about it. I guess now looking back, it hasn't been so bad. But when I when I threw out there the idea of I want to study how leadership affects, impacts innovative classroom uh, you know, instructional practices I think everyone at first was like, whoa, what is this innovation? Like, you're going to have to define that. And what do you mean? And I, all right, here's what I'm getting at. What is innovation then? What do you think? I mean, you know, when it comes to education, when it comes to classroom practices, what do you think? You know, I, I would say I learned this at USC because when I was, so I was director of innovative learning at USC for about three years and it was a medical school. And it was, you know, I'm a history social science teacher, so it was completely a different environment. And so one of the things I really came to learn in that, through that experience, was the idea that cultures of innovation begin with a culture of empathy. At the end of the day, for me, innovation is really about being able to understand the needs of other people, the challenges that exist, but also the things that get people excited. And I think if you can begin there and you can get others to begin thinking about those questions, you know, what questions is it that you really want to be asking? If you can kind of have people play in the problem space, I think that's where we get products, services, whatever it might be that help make people's lives better. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, a part of that is your interest. And again, I know this because uh, I've been following you for a while and, you know, we've talked a little bit on the side about our doctoral experiences, but I know that you have an interest in and a passion for design thinking. Where, how does that fit in? I absolutely do. And you know, I always, I, I cannot remember the exact moment that I came across the model, but in 2016, and this coincided with my time at USC, I watched a talk from the World Economic Forum at Davos that, um, and they, they post all their live sessions as videos on, on YouTube. And so one of the talks was called Technology Driven, Human Centered. And there was one particular, all the panelists were amazing, but there was one particular panelist, his name was Eric Brindolfson. And he and another person, Andrew McAfee, had written a book called The Second Machine Age. And I just thought like, wow, what a title, technology-driven, human-centered. And I fell in love and I started diving deep and I started looking at that. But one of the things that really resonated with me in listening to Eric on the panel was his optimism. Yes, there's a lot of change. Yes, there's a lot happening in the world but this is a good thing and there's a lot of opportunity if we can just embrace it. And so I read the book, The Second Machine Age, and I really, really, really enjoyed it, mostly because it really laid out 
sort of the changes that are taking place, what we can expect, what we should expect with machine learning, what its capabilities are. Um, but more than that, a roadmap for the future. And it was a very optimistic roadmap. And I think that really pushed me towards learning about, okay, well, how might we actually be able to integrate these ideas into education? And at that time, I was teaching a course at USC, um, which is around design thinking and healthcare. And so I began looking, I was looking for models, I was looking for things to kind of, you know, use as a framework for the students. And I came across, you know, Stanford's design thinking model. And then so I love Stanford's design thinking model. And then I love the idea that it's not just a skill set, but it's also a mindset. And so IDEO actually have these like seven mindsets of a designer. And I think it just really gives people a tangible way to develop skills to actually engage in this work, but also helps them develop a mindset because you really need both hand in hand to be able to tackle the challenges and embrace the opportunities. And I think a lot of times we say things like learn from failure or it's okay to take a risk or, you know, be optimistic or, you know, we talk a lot about making and iterating and we talk a lot about things, but if somebody actually needs to know, okay, but how am I going to get there? Right? Because a lot of times it's not just about learning. Sometimes you have to unlearn to be able to learn. And so just recognizing those things about yourself, having that level of self-awareness, it just design thinking just really becomes a practice that influences you personally and professionally that allows you to develop both skill set and mindset. Here's what's cool about some of the stuff you were just saying too, is as you were speaking, I, I was hearing all these words and ideas that are thematic throughout my dissertation so far too and and what I'm looking to research because I'm looking to well I can't say make the link but I'm looking to uh help understand the link between transformational leadership practices and growth mindset in in classroom teachers around innovative instructional practices more student centered learning and so I love what you said about, you know, maybe sometimes that means unlearning things, too, because I'm thinking that, you know, if I'm interviewing uh, school leaders and they're telling me, ah, oh, these people were, were really set in their ways, but then I got them to think about something differently. And, you know, maybe that'll come up, too. I don't know yet. But um, what has the uh, doctoral experience been like for you and what has it meant to you? Um, you know, I think both of us are relatively close in terms of uh, where we're at in our programs. Yeah. There's like a light at the end of the tunnel, finally. And, yeah. and once we get over this next hurdle of actually doing the research, then uh, I guess we're in the home stretch. Absolutely. Oh, my God. So stop me if I go on for too long, because <laughs> I honestly cannot talk enough about how much I am enjoying my experience. So it took yeah, me a I've long seen, time. I've seen all the pictures in the videos. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has taken me, it took me a long time to find a program that really resonated with me. What I love about this particular program is I feel like they actually took a design thinking approach to reimagining the doctoral experience. And so there's a couple things that I really like about it. Number one, I feel like it was when I was thinking about, am I going to make this investment? Is it going to be worth it? I was really looking for a program that maybe wasn't so valuable today, but five, 10 years from now would be even more valuable. And I feel like the global lens that it adds in taking us to visit countries like Finland, like Brazil, Hong Kong, Qatar, in going to these places and really learning about the dynamics in education worldwide, 
it has given me such a unique lens into the challenges and just the conversations it is that we have in education. That's number one. Number two, it's really opened my eyes into the idea that we don't really do enough to work with students. We spend a lot of time focusing on other areas and other professionals and trying to, you know, get innovation to happen in different spaces. But I think one of the things I've really learned is my teachers are fantastic for knowledge, for wisdom, for advice, and for guidance. But my teachers are not going to be there to tell me, hey, you should really think about turning your research paper or your dissertation into a podcast, or you should really think about turning it into a series of video posts or anything along those lines. And it may be that at some point they get there, but I'm in the program now, right? And I need somebody to do this with me now. And so I think it's really important as a student to look at what is the value of your professors, but what is it that you need to be doing? Because you have a future that in a world that's rapidly changing. How? Who is your audience? Who do you want to speak to in doing the work that you're doing? And how are you going to go about creating the content that you need within the environment that you're in? And so it's just interesting to hear so many people talk about like, you know, is college worth it? You know, should I go there? And I think, you know, it's the wrong question to be asking. I think there's so much value to be learned from individuals at, you know, like these professors are amazing. And just the conversations, the idea that I can go walk into your office and have a conversation with you or email with you or all of these kinds of things, um, I think is absolutely phenomenal. But at the same time, I think there's things that I need to do independently to be able to advance my work in the way that I want to. And so I think having that ownership and having that passion for the work you're doing is what's going to lead a student down that pathway. If you're not engaged in your work, if you're not excited about what you're learning and what you're creating and even the traditional assignments that you're being asked to do, if you don't see the value and you don't enjoy that, I don't know that you would get to that next level. And so that's been a really, really big takeaway for me. Yeah. And uh, again, I've seen all the pictures and videos. Uh, the pictures from Greece, I think you were in Greece earlier this yeah. summer, were amazing. Uh, where, where are you off to next? Is there more? Are there more places to go before you finish up? Yeah, there are. So Greece wasn't actually part of a school trip. Greece was a personal trip. But I like oh, sharing okay. those as well because one of the messages I hope to get across with my social platform is this idea that you can design your own life. You know, really, what is it that you want to do? What gets you excited? What are the things, where are the places you want to go? Who are the people you want to meet? And how do you use social media to reverse engineer that process? And so one of the reasons I share multiple things on there is so that people know that like, you know, you can create whatever life it is that you want. You can design what you want. And then it's also fun to be creative, right? Like photography is fun. Making, I love making videos. I have an obsession with videos. And so I love being able to go travel places and create stories. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so, yeah, so, um, you know, Greece was a, a, um, a personal trip, but for school, we have Finland coming up in October. And then we're also actually going to be visiting um, Estonia, which I did not know, but surpassed Finland um, last year in test scores. Wow. I, I was going to say too, like I've heard so much about the Finnish uh, education system. Everybody brags about it and, and raves about how amazing it is. So that that's really interesting. I know it's going to be so nice and I'm so excited. And this is why stories are so amazing, you know, because when you have those social platforms, the idea that I can bring so many people along with me and I can engage in discussions about the things that I'm seeing with people who aren't physically present is, I mean, it's just so transformational for your own thinking, let alone helping others. Now, of course, I'm going to recommend for my listeners to go ahead and follow you if they're not already. But 
Would you please come back on and, and tell us about how your experiences were after you go to these places? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I would love to. Excellent. All right. So as we wrap up here, uh, you know, I've, I've thrown out the handle already, but uh, please tell our listeners where they can connect with you, where they can see these amazing photos and videos that are all over your story and, and everything that you're sharing from education topics to, like I said before, travel and fashion and food. And it's all awesome. So where can they go? Absolutely. So Instagram and Twitter are really where I share the most. It's at AskMissQ, A-S-K-M-S-Q. And then LinkedIn, you can just search me, Saba Kidwai. Awesome. You know, it, it's taken a while, I think, for me uh, to to get you on here. I know you're busy. Oh, and, uh, you know, listen, I, I get it. I'm a doctoral student, too. I know how tough it is. Um, we got interrupted earlier with my, my family, my kids. Uh, <laughs> getting in the way but i appreciate your time i really do thank you so much and uh i'm looking forward to hearing more about your experiences and of course you know getting to kind of live out the rest of the doctoral experience with you as well and good luck with your research and your writing and, and everything and uh, we'll talk to you soon yeah absolutely same to you good luck with everything too thank you for having me Thanks, Saba, so much. As I mentioned, even to her in the interview, she is someone who I've wanted to interview and, and get on as a guest on this podcast for such a long time. I've followed her work, and I really admire and respect the content that she shares. And I thought that our talk, especially related to leadership and social influence, and as that relates to the study that talks about how those are trending skills for students and the next generation, really. And it's so funny how much we share in common as doctoral students who are right around the same spot in our dissertation process and our candidacy. Good luck, Saba, on all of your endeavors, including that mighty dissertation that you're working on. And uh, I know we'll support each other throughout the way. So I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Again, guys, just a sneak preview of episode 52 of the Leader of Learning podcast featuring George Karos and Katie Novak. I hope you tune in two weeks on a Monday that episode comes out. Thanks for listening to this one, and we'll catch you next time. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite way to listen. Also, if you like what you heard, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. And don't hesitate to leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen. For more information, head over to leaderoflearning.com. There you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, ways to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Boxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster.